You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I'm going to talk to you today about being a watchman. And really, the Lord, the call of the Lord is that watchmen are needed. And everybody can be a watchman. Everyone has a really, I believe, a call to be a watchman. Now, you, might, you may not be called to certain areas of being a watchman, but at the very least, and I'm going to get into this in a little bit, I'm going to show you, the very least in your own home, over your own family, over your own heart, you're called to be a watchman. And, you know, thank you. And then there's people that are... Uh, you know, that are called the different areas of society to be a watchman. And what a watchman does is they look to see and they look to, um, they look to hear. And then they hear, they use their perception that they have to see not only difficult things, but also good things that would be coming, you know, into the place that God has, uh, that God's called us. And so, you know, when you look at the nation of Israel, and really it was true of all of the you know, those kingdoms of old is that they would have walls around their city, um, which, yeah, never mind. Uh, anyway, God had people build walls. It's not evil, but anyways. Uh, they would have walls around cities, and they would put watchmen on those walls. Now, if the walls were breached, they had a whole nother thing. And so, but where there is, where there's walls, they would put watchmen on top of the walls, and um, those watchmen would look and see what was coming and what was going, everything that was going on. And so it's people being perceptive. But you don't have a watchman on a wall without intentionally uh, establishing that person and having them step up to the plate, step up to the wall and watch what's going on. And so this is, a like most things, it's something that we have to be intentional with in our own life. And God has called people to be watchmen. And you say, well, what is the point? It's to, it's largely, it's to alarm not that we live with an alarmist mentality because there's all kinds of people on, you know, on YouTube and Facebook and wherever else that it's like the end of the world, you know, every other week. There's, they've got a new end of the world scenario coming up, and I'm not talking about that. But we have to understand this, that we have an enemy who seeks to devour us, and we have to be watchful. We have to be vigilant to pay attention to the destruction that he would bring. And when I started several years ago in my own heart, in my own home, and I'm still growing in this, but especially in the church, when I began to understand this idea of like, not everybody's on our side, then you have to stand guard and it's never against people, but it's against the enemy that's working behind or with or through the people that would want to bring destruction to what God is doing. And you, we have to remember that we are, in a, we are in a battle. And a watchman isn't necessarily the one that's doing the warring, but they are the one who sounds the trumpet that there is a war, that there's an enemy at hand that would try to bring destruction to what God's doing. God has called you and I to be watchmen. And so I'm going to read a few verses here that will give some description around uh, watchmen. Psalm 130 and verse 6, it says, My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Some translations say more than the watchmen that are watching for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. And so the point of this verse is talking about the longing of the soul for the Lord more than the watchmen are longing for the morning. And I think the point is about 
the soul and that person being connected to the Lord, but it gives us some insight as to what a watchman does. And a watchman will watch not only during the day, but they will also watch in the nighttime. They'll watch when it's difficult. They will still keep guard even when they can't see clearly. Because when you're in the night, you can imagine being a watchman. Just think about all the, the, the surrounding enemies. You know, we read in the Word and we hear, it, you know, we see these movies or whatever, and it's like these, you know, catapults and, you know, bow and arrow kind of thing. Like it was a real, they didn't have technology like we have today where we can sense missiles coming or, or whatever. They had, to, they had to physically see their, with their eyes. Well, you can imagine that when the nighttime came, it's a lot harder to see. And so during that night, that watchman would be extra vigilant, but certainly would be longing for the time the day would break and they could see more clearly. And so the point is, is that a watchman is one who's watching all the time, day and night, knowing that there's always, and it's not a place of suspicion, but it's a place to be on guard. And we have to realize, again, that the enemy is looking to destroy us, our nation, our family, all of that. Ezekiel 33, 1 through 7, let me read these verses to you. This really speaks a lot about the watchman. It says, and again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming up on the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take, uh, and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. Uh, he heard the sound of the trumpet. Now, let me just stop before I go to verse 5. Let me say this, that vice versa is also true. So if there is a warning, if there's a, a warning shot, if there's a horn blown and people hear it and they don't take heed, the blood is on their hands. But what does it say about the person who is called to stand guard if they don't blow the horn? Then those people who die because they didn't give warning, their blood is on the watchman's head because he didn't do what was necessary. If you want, if you ever want to want, ever want to wonder why, ever want to want to, we do want to want to. Sounds like a rap song coming on. <laughs> if you ever want to wonder why, uh, and I and I try to be a good boy, but if you ever want to, <laughs> stop using the W's, Ken. It's not working out for you. If you want to know the reasoning behind why I get so excited about things going on in our country and our government. It's not because I'm political, but I'm in love with God, and I love what he's given this country, so I've been willing to speak up. I believe that ministers are set to be watchmen. Pastors over churches should be watchmen. Over the last, and I don't have time to go down this road, but I'm going to say this very quickly. Over the last, I'll say, 100 years, we have seen a slow decay from the pulpit of ministers being watchmen about what's going on in our nation. That's why we are in the predicament that we're in now. And that's not a Republican or a Democrat thing. That is a truth thing. Uh, Charles Finney, who was uh, uh, largely used for the second great awakening that happened in the U.S. Uh, back right around the time of the Civil War, and he said that if, if the country fails, basically, I'm paraphrasing, he said the responsibility falls squarely on that of the clergy. And if you go back to the time of the Revolutionary War, there was a group of people called the Black Robe Regiment. And the Black Robe Regiment was a group of ministers, ordained, set apart by God, uh, ministers. And back in that day, a lot of the clergy, the ministers, they would have worn black robes. So these guys were responsible 
If you go and study it out, ultimately for the Revolutionary War being fought and won the way that it was, because they were the voice behind the scenes telling the people. Because if you look and see who was fighting the British, it was the American army, but it was farmers, it was uh, carpenters, it was just normal people sitting in the pews, right? Sitting inside the church. Who was leading them to do this? It was ultimately the Black Robe Regiment is what they got referred to. And what, what happened is that the, the soldiers, excuse me, the, uh, the ministers would have black robes on and they would uh, join together and there would be certain times where they would have all of their, their, uh, their military-looking uniform, whatever, on underneath of it and they would have swords and guns and whatever else. And at the end of the service, they would take off their black robe and they were ready to go and fight. So all this stuff about... Um, pastor shouldn't say anything about bleh, 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 bleh. is total garbage. It's anti-American and it's anti-God. It is ultimately anti-Christ, but I don't have time to get into that whole scenario. Ministers, people are called to be watchmen. And if ministers, clergy had been doing their job over the last hundred years, our nation would look totally different than it looks right now. Verse five, it says, he heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning his blood shall be upon himself, but he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from them, uh, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his, uh, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand, which is basically what I was just saying. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them from me. So a watchman is vigilant. A watchman leans in. A watchman listens. A watchman does a lot of things to use in the natural to use natural perception to be able to give natural warning. Well, spiritually, God has called people to be watchmen. And, and you, it is true at the very least over your own life, but certainly over your own home, you are called to be a watchman. God is looking for watchmen to stand up and watch and pay attention. And so you have the ability, certainly with natural things, and you know, for guys, there's like every guy has gone through a scenario, I guarantee you, every man, every father of a home, every husband has gone through a scenario of somebody breaking into their house and what they would do probably at least a hundred times in their mind. It's how God's wired men that way because we're, we've got the protecting thing in us. Well, spiritually, we need to do the exact same thing. If the enemy is going to come knocking on your doorstep, which is usually in the form of, well, all kinds of evil, but largely in the form of the way that we think, the way that we uh, relate to each other, you know, relationships, what are we going to do? Are we being vigilant to watch what's coming into the area that God has called us to protect? This is a great question that we must ask ourselves. Amen. And so when it comes to the watchman, it really is done with, again, spiritually speaking, because that's really what I'm hitting on today. So I'm going to give you a great spiritual insight, but I'm going to try to make it super simple and practical and easy and, and applicable to your life. And when we're talking about a watchman, um, let me read this in verse 127, Psalm 127 and verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house... They labor in vain who build it. So in other, in other words, unless God's grace is on it, unless his strength comes into it, then the laborers labor in vain. And then it goes on to say, unless uh, the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So the watching that we're doing, it's not in our own strength. Spiritually speaking, it's not in our own strength. It's in the strength of the Lord. The Lord, see, the Lord can take your senses and he can sharpen your senses 
your natural senses he can sharpen, but he also can sharpen your spiritual senses to make you discern to things that you once, at, at one point in your life previously, were not discerned to. There are things now, without going into any detail, there are things now that I am uh, very awakened to the reality of things going on in our country, um, in the realm of the church, in the realm of my own family, in, our, in my marriage, and even in my own heart, that two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I was not aware of the devices and the onslaught of the enemy, so my guard was down because I wasn't able to watch and see. So this is a relationship that we have to build with the Lord to where he shows us how to be perceptive. You know, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about there's nine gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that are listed there, and one of them is discerning of spirits. So not everybody operates in discerning of spirits, and I don't have time to teach on discerning of spirits. However, every person should be discerning. Every person's called to use discernment to see something and then make a decision. How is this going to fit my life? How is this going to affect my family? How is this going to affect my own personal heart? How is this going to affect my business or whatever is going on? We have a responsibility to look at those things, be watchful, again, not to be suspicious, but to be watchful that the enemy seeks whom he may devour. We just have to make sure we aren't one of the whoms. Everybody say, I'm not one of the whoms. Amen. And the way that you do that is you stay vigilant because it's God's ability, God's strength, God's sharpening, his quickening to where you are clear-eyed and you are clear-minded in the spirit and you can see what's going on. You know, the word tells us that we have the mind of Christ. And if you go and look at that whole thing in context, it's talking about that no man knows the things of a man except the, the spirit of a man. And so we can't know the things of God except for the spirit of the man God, which is the Holy Spirit, reveal it. Well, we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, which that's what it's talking about when we have the mind of Christ. That's not so that you can get a better grade on your test <laughs> that you didn't study for. I used to do that. I was like, oh, Jesus, help me. And I hadn't studied for the test. I'm like, I've got the mind of Christ. And, you know, I didn't give him anything to work with, right? And so that's not what the mind of Christ is there for. The mind of Christ is there to reveal things to you that you could not naturally know. And the Lord's called us to have spiritual discernment in that manner. Let me give you some attributes of a watchman. Are you all still with me? Are you intrigued? Are you into it? Look at this verse in Isaiah chapter 56, 10 through 12. This is, this is funny. This is the Lord's uh, wording here. Isaiah 56, 10 through 12. It says, his watchmen are blind. And so this is, this is the time when the Lord's talking about just the watchmen not being what they need to be. It says, his watchmen are blind they are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. I mean, imagine having a dog that, you know, you've got a watchdog and it doesn't even alert you that there's something going on. That's a worthless watchdog. Amen. <laughs> Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. We have a dog that does that like that. <laughs> yes, they are greedy dogs, which never have enough. And they are shepherds who cannot understand they all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain, from his own territory. Come, one says, I will bring wine, <laughs> and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. You probably shouldn't get drunk on top of a wall. I'm not a genius, but it's probably not a good idea. Tomorrow uh, will be as today and much more abundant. And so he's talking about the, all of the, the detriments of these really uh, uh, ignorant, dumb uh, and the whole list goes on of these watchmen that basically they are worthless watchmen. 
And so I would never call anybody these things. I'll allow the Lord to do that. And if that, the shoe fits for you, then you could say, Jesus, help me not be so dumb. Um, but you can take the reverse of this, and really these are, it will give us the attributes of what a good, positive, right, correct, upright watchman looks like. And here are some attributes of what a watchman is, and it's taking right from this and just reversing it. So a good watchman is one that can see. I mean, that goes without saying, but remember, we're not just, we're not, we're really not talking about a natural watchman. Now, we have natural watchmen in our campuses that are security. Now, they are natural watchmen, and I don't want them operating by faith. I want them to use their two eyes, right? Amen? But when it comes to things that, because you have to understand that the enemy, you can't see him. If you don't believe that he's there, just look at the devastation of different areas of the world and things going on and whatever. We definitely have an enemy, but we can't see him. And so we have to be able to perceive and discern what's going on. So when it's talking about a, when we're talking about a watchman, a spiritual watchman, if you will, you have to be able to see in the spirit. And this is going deeper into a direction I don't have time to go in, but you know that you have, you have in your spirit, you have senses just like you do in the natural realm. You are not only a natural person. You might act like only a natural person, and we certainly have this, this battle to not only act like natural people, but to be spiritual people. That really is the true us. But we can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. Those are our five senses in the natural. In the spirit, you can also see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. We have the ability to hear things. I'll, I'll give a couple of them really strongly. We have the ability to hear and to see in the spirit. You have that ability through the Lord to see and to hear, and you can know things that should go on, that shouldn't go on, what's of the Lord, what's not of the Lord, the direction you need to go. You can have that spiritual discernment. As a matter of fact, you have it. You just need to take your sword and go into the, the, the whatever place of the Lord and allow him to sharpen it, whatever kind of the knife sharpening. We have, a, we have a knife sharpening place in this town. We saw it yesterday, a building, and we drove down this road, we were looking at something. I'm like, I did not know that was there. Anyways, whatever. So the Lord in the Spirit has a knife or a sword sharpening thing, and you go in there with him, and he will sharpen your discerner and help you be able to see and hear and know and understand some things that are going on. So a, um, a watchman spiritually must be able to see. They have to be knowledgeable. You have to have some knowledge of some things, right? You can't, just, you can't just say, Lord, I'm your man, and then never pick up the Bible and read it. You have to get into the Word of God and allow Him to show you some things. Um, also, and again, I'm just using the opposite of what this verse was talking about. Um, a watchman also has to be able, uh, able and willing to speak. Uh, I think everybody has the ability, basically, to speak, but not everybody's willing. And I have found that confrontation is one of the best things. I mean, if you, if you like confrontation, you got something wrong with you. Like, no, it's not in us to, to want to confront things. But when we confront and we do it in love, it could be with a person, a situation, whatever it is, when we confront, we set things in order, we, we make room for God, and we don't make any room, we push out the room that the enemy would have had. And so it's really, really important that we're able to see things, know things, hear things, discern things, and then speak up and be willing to confront. And that's what a person that's standing on the wall would have a form of being able to speak or blow the trumpet in the old days that 
Something's coming and there's different sounds that they would have to indicate the different thing that's coming on. So I have to be willing to speak. To be vigilant means that you're looking, you're paying attention, you have your eyes open all the time. Again, it's not in suspicion, but it's just that you're paying attention. Um, they require no pay. And you might say, well, where would I require pay? You know, sometimes people just don't do stuff unless they feel like they're going to get something out of it. But when it comes to what we're responsible for, and this is a question you need to ask the Lord, what am I responsible for? What have you placed within my realm of authority? What am I responsible for? And are you willing to do it just because it's right, even if you don't get anything in return? Um, a, a person also has to have, and again, I'm taking this from the verse and just slipping it around. They have to have a spiritual perception, which I kind of hit on that. But you have to have, you have, to have understanding or revelation or perception in the spirit. And you go, well, how do I do that? You go and spend time with the Lord. And again, he will sharpen that tool. Um, and then there's two more things I'm going to say. These are the two most important in my, probably in my opinion, um, with the exception of being able to see, is that a watchman must have right motivation. I've had times in the history of this church where I set people as watchmen on the wall that had come to find out they had wrong motivation. Well, if there is something that will be beneficial, if you have somebody that has wrong motivation and they're on the wall and there's going to be something that's beneficial to them, they will prefer them even if it causes detriment to everybody else. The person that's on the wall, the watchman, must have a right motivation for watching. They can't be about themselves. They can't be about having their own uh, having all of their own needs met, those kind of things. And, you know, in a church and really in any given, any given institution, there are people, and we wouldn't call them this necessarily, but there are people that are watchmen. They pay attention to see what's going on. Now, again, not always for evil. A lot of times it's like, I see the Lord doing this. I see the Lord saying this. Um, we could call those seers that would be established in a church and also prophets. But here's the thing. All prophets are watchmen, but uh, not all watchmen are prophets. So you can be a watchman without being called to the office of a prophet, but if God's called you into the office of a prophet, you definitely have uh, this, this, I'll say gift, but also a responsibility to watch over things. Um, and then also, here's the last one, is that a watchman must be sober-minded, which means void of speculation and suspicion. And we went through a, um, a time where we were trying to navigate through some things. I try to be careful how I say it. We were trying to navigate through some things, and I was, I was dealing with, with somebody that had great spiritual perception, but sometimes that perception would go from, I see this going on, to get into speculation as to why it's going on. See, the Lord will show you things, and sometimes you don't need to go into all of the nuts and bolts as to why it's happening. You just need to know that it is happening, and then allow the Lord's grace to come in and deal with the thing that's going on. Amen. So I'm going to give you four areas. This is really, really important. I'm going to give you four areas that Jesus helped my time. Jesus, slow down time. <laughs> I'm going to give you four areas that it's really, really important that um, we have watchmen over. And it's really more than four, and I'll explain that in a minute. But I'm going to give you basically four categories of where we need people to be watchmen. One is the church, which I already briefly mentioned this, but let me give you a few verses. And I've got actually a ton of verses I'm going to read through. Hopefully the guys in the back can keep them up on the screen in time. But if not, I'm going to bust through these just so we have good precedent for what we're saying. And so a watchman need to be over the church. And it's this is very, very important. And I could spend, really, I'm giving you a seven-part series in, in 40 minutes here. And so and I'm already halfway through, and I'm not halfway through my notes, so I don't know how it's going to go. But anyways, um, but, um, you know, the deal is, is that the church 
is really like the tip of the spear. It's the tip of the sword, if you will, in a society. And so let me, I'm going to impress you with my um, great skills. And I know you guys know how great I am at drawing here, all right? But just, uh, just bear with me, and this is going to be unbelievably amazing. So this is not a samurai sword. I don't know what kind of sword this is, um, but it's a good one, all right? So, yeah, all right, so there's a sort of looks like, everybody give me a hand. Thank you, thank you. You got your hand grips there and, you know, whatever. Okay, you get the point. And so this is kind of how I look at this in a, in a society, in, in the world. You know, there are different parts that make up a society, and the church is one of them. And to me, the church is the most important thing. Really, marriage is the most important thing, and family is the most important thing. Those were God's two original um, organizations, I thought it's not the right word, but establishments in the garden was he made marriage and then he made the family. Well, all that has gotten messed up. So now in terms of the world, the church is the most important thing. And why do you think the enemy has fought so hard against the church? We have, there is more garbage sometimes and, and, and we have worked diligently for years to protect this environment. We watch over this environment very, very well, very good. We are very diligent because I believe that the church is the most important thing. And the reason I say that is because in the garden, again, it was marriage and it was family, but when sin entered in, it messed everything up. And now the Lord says, well, I have to have an agent to fix everything. And that is the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the way that I see the church is that the church is like the tip of the sword, if you will. If you can follow me through this, and I didn't even draw an arrow to the tip. But uh, anyways, to make the tip bigger. Uh, so the church really is, is, is the tip of the sword in the sense of how it affects society and how it affects everything going on around us. If the church is not where it needs to be, nothing else will be where it needs to be. Now, if marriages and families were where they needed to be, then I think everything would be just fine. But again, we live in a fallen world, and the way that marriages and families get fixed is being a part of a healthy local church that can bring life to them. And then within that, the Lord raises up people that go into all areas of society to affect change as they become watchmen over those areas. But most importantly, it starts with the church. Let me, listen, let me list a couple things here. Acts 20 through, uh, 28 through 30, it says, Therefore, take heed... That word take heed means to watch, it means to pay attention, it means to be vigilant. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking here, he says, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. There's so much I could say about all of this, but the reason that we've had a lot of perversion, we've had a lot of uh, wrong doctrine, we've had a lot of uh, really nasty stuff in the church really for 2,000 years or probably close to it is because watchmen have not been watching to pay attention and watch over the word and watch over the souls of people. You know, pastors and fivefold ministry leaders along with elders are responsible for watching over the souls of the people. 
The church is not supposed to be a middle-class social club where everybody comes in, sings a few songs, feels better, and they go home. It's supposed to be a life-giving place where people have their needs met in the Lord, and they get watched over. And I can tell you now, it's a privilege to be watched over. And I, for people that I know that have watched over me, I long to come underneath of them because I know that they have my best interests at heart. And when you have a church that's healthy, and this is a healthy church, we work to watch over you to keep the bad stuff out and to bring the glory and the presence of God in, to rest upon us, to do the work that God's called us to do. But we have to be very vigilant and understand that not everyone is on our side. There are people that they're like, Pastor, I tried to get them to come back, and I secretly, I was praying them out because I saw what they were doing. I saw what they were saying. I saw the, how they were treating people. I saw how they refused to walk in love. They wouldn't receive correction. They were full of pride. And I said, Lord, I've confronted them. Now they have to go because I have the authority here to do that. And I'm going to pray because I believe that that's right. And I don't cut anybody's head off, but spiritually I'll chop the devil's head off and they either have to change and repent and become a part of the life-giving church or they have to go somewhere else because we just don't tolerate people that don't want to walk in love. You know what I found? I found a few people that go, wow, that just seems so strong. And it's like, yeah, well, you're usually the one that doesn't want to walk in love. And everybody else, they go, thank you for protecting us. Thank you for not allowing that person to run over us anymore. Amen. So, and then also here in Ephesians chapter 6, this fits in well with the church. It says, praying, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. There's so many verses in the New Testament, that there's warning about people that would come in and try to disrupt what God is doing. There is, the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Why do you think the enemy has worked so hard in the realm of music? Because if he can get a hold of the musicians and get them filled with demons, outside the church, inside the church, then they cut off the place of habitation of the Lord. Now, I love the preaching of the word, the ministry of the word. I love prayer. I love all the things that God has called us to do, but it doesn't say that he inhabits the preaching of the pastors. It says that he inhabits the praises of the people. This is why the enemies work so hard in that realm, because if he can have that, he stops the habitation place of the Lord resting upon the people to do the work that he's called them to do. And by the way, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and liberty. Amen. We have to watch that. We have to watch these things. So sometimes people say, why are you, why are you wired like you are? Because I love what God can do for me more than what a few people think they can do for me. Jesus, help me. Sometimes people come in and they're flashing the flashy stuff. All that glitters is not gold. I can do this for you, and I can do that for you, and I've got this gifting, and I got that talent, and I can do this, and we should do this, and I'll do this, and I'll give money here. And I'm like, come on board with what God's doing because the Spirit of God rests upon this place. And if you want to partake, we are here for you. If you don't, it's no problem. We love you. You can sit and just be a part and get blessed, but don't cause any trouble. Because I got watchmen watching. Amen. Okay, here's another area, and this is very important, and this is really a close second. It's almost also the tip of the spear is the family. Jesus, I'm running out of time. It's the family. This is extremely important that we have watchmen over. Oh, my God, if we've ever needed watchmen over our family. The things that are going on that we are seeing in our society, I believe it's, I believe it's the church's fault, really the clergy's fault, like what 
uh, Charles Finney said, but it's also right there with it. It's, it's the leadership in the families. And I'm not coming down on anybody. I mean, man, people go through stuff. Most people in here have been affected. Probably every person in here on some level has been affected by divorce. Man, there's no condemnation. There's restoration. There's grace, forgiveness, all of that stuff. But we can look at all of that and see all the problems that have happened in the family have had a devastating impact on our society. It's had a devastating impact on people. And really what we have to have is we have to have watchmen over the families. We need to have watchmen over the marriages. Imagine if you had two people that were fighting. Imagine two people fighting. Uh, Two married people fighting. And instead of fighting, they got some spiritual perception and they started to see. Now, it takes two people. You know, you can have one person that's like, I'm going after Jesus. And the other one's like, no, I ain't doing it. You know, sometimes that stuff happens. But if you had two people that they were to say, I'm going to be vigilant to stop the enemy from, from messing this thing up, it would end everything. In an instant, it would end everything. But oftentimes people are too drawn away by just flesh, desires, selfishness, all kinds of things that are in there, and they give heed to the enemy, and they're not watching over their marriage, therefore they're not watching over their home. First Timothy 5.8 says this, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his uh, household, he, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's some really strong language. Now, in context, it's talking about widows and orphans and taking care of people properly. But just in general, this is saying that if you haven't provided for your own, part of providing, hear me in this, men. Men, listen to me. You are called, anointed, appointed to lead your home. You're called of God to do. It doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. There's times when I'm like, here we go. And she's like, dude, you're going to screw this up if you don't slow down a little bit. (laughs) Leading doesn't mean that you have all the answers. It just means that you're anointed to take the thing in the direction it's supposed to go. And so part of providing for your home Part of providing for your home is also spiritual, not just natural. Thank God that you're a breadwinner. Thank God that you're, do, do all the things that you do to take care of your home. You, you cut the grass, you, you do all the honeydew lists, right? You should do all of those things, but also what you should do is lead your family spiritually. You say, man, I just don't know how to do that. Ask, here's a great idea. It will require humility. Ask somebody who's leading their family well. This church has got a lot of people in it that, has, that leads their family well. Ask somebody that knows more than you. Get material. Start listening to Kent and Liz's Family by Design podcast. But learn some things. Humble yourself and learn some things and watch how God will help you to be able to rise up and lead your family the way that he wants you to lead them. Proverbs 14, 26. This is, talking, this is a huge topic I'm going to mention and then move on. 14, 26, it says, In the fear of the Lord... There is, and this is still under the guise of family, watchmen over the family. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. Notice, confidence comes from the fear of the Lord, and then refuge comes because of all of that. There needs to, our children, our homes need to be a place of refuge. They shouldn't be a place of fighting, of torment, of all the problems. They need to be a place of refuge. 
And the way that you do that spiritually is that you fear the Lord. You say, well, what does that, what does that mean? We had a great question come to us recently, like, what does it mean to, to fear the Lord? Does that mean I'm supposed to be afraid of him? No, you should never be afraid of God. He's on your side. But the fearful, being fearful of God is a reverence for him. And you say, well, what does that really mean to reverence God? It just means that you love God and you care about his opinion more than you care about anything else. You love him and you care what he says more than anything else. When the fear of the Lord enters a home, the word becomes predominant because that's how we know who God is. That's how we relate to the Lord. That's how he speaks to us. And this doesn't matter. This doesn't mean you don't have family movie night and all that kind of, that's fine. We do all that stuff. But what reigns supreme in our home is the, is the word of the Lord. And when you have parents or a single parent who will fear the Lord, which means that they just love God more than anything else, when they do that, it will bring a place of refuge for the rest of the family. Can somebody give me a big amen? Amen. So we have to have watchmen over the family. All right. And so then there's one more area. And this is going to hit uh, one, two, three, four, five different areas rolled in one, and we're going to call this, um, there's different things we call it, but uh, a nation, which really the church and the family are also a part of that, but those are really specific, have to have watchmen. Or we could say culture. If you can read my handwriting, you are a miracle worker. Uh, so we could call it one of those things, but it's these different areas of society. You have, you have education. I'm going to uh, paraphrase or abbreviate education. Uh, arts and entertainment, um, business, and then you have uh, media. What's the last one? Somebody help me out. Come on, Seven Mountains, people. We call this Seven Mountains. There you go, government, which is what we're dealing with this week. Don't forget to vote. Vote righteous. So we have these different areas where we have the the privilege of being able to influence, but also the privilege of being able to watch over them. You want to know why our, you know, I think basically everybody, Republicans and not everybody, okay, but by and large, Republicans, Democrats, Independent, whatever your political affiliation is, I think most everybody has come to this, this place where we go, something smells off here. Yeah? You know why? Somebody wasn't watching over it. We had founding fathers that set up our, our nation to prosper, and it has in every sense of the word, and now we've got people that are coming and intentionally trying to destroy it. Now, if you don't believe that, I don't care what your persuasion, if you don't believe that, you need to take your head out of the sand. There's some rotten stuff that is going on in our country on both sides of the aisle. So anyways... The reason why that's happening is because we haven't had people watch over. We need people to watch over the government. We need people to watch over media. It's like the end of the spear for everything else involved in that. All of the lies and the propaganda, help me, Jesus. Okay, moving on. Business. That's a section of society. We need watchmen over business. If you're called, not everyone's called to be a pastor. You realize that? They're like... 3% of the church is called to be in the in, in part of that ministry. And everybody feels like they're not called to do something great unless they're standing at a pulpit. First of all, it's not that great. I mean, I, it's, I'm privileged, but it's, this is the glory, you know? <laughs> so, but your calling is unique to you. 
And part of your calling is to be a watchman in that area. If you're called in the education system or arts and entertainment, any of those areas, if you are operating, if your occupation is in that realm, or if you're retired and you're volunteering in that realm, you should have your eyes open saying, Father, show me what I can do to influence this area that I'm in. Even if it's only in your region, even if it's not on a national level, you should be asking the Lord of that. Why? Because we need watchmen. What if every what if every region in the whole world took on this mentality of every people and said, we're going to do something for the Lord and we're going to pay attention to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying? There's unique ways, there's unique avenues, there's unique words, there's divine appointments that the Lord will set things up to begin to change things. It's not about getting to the top of something, but it's about affecting change in that something. You know, there's, there is great, whenever you see greatness happening up here in any level or evil happening up here, there's always people behind the scenes at work doing things. I mentioned Charles Finney earlier. Charles Finney was, go and read about him. He had some of the most unbelievable things happen, and he had a, like an anointing for repentance. And he would go on, there's stories of him going on train cars. It was back in the, whatever, uh, early 1900s, late 1800s. I forget the exact time. Um, but he would go on train cars. There's stories of him stepping onto train cars, and all of a sudden, instantaneously, every person on that train car would fall to their face and they would repent and get saved right there because of the presence, the anointing, the tangible godness on him. True story, documented things. Charles Finney also would go from, from area to area, and he would, he would minister, and he would have powerful meetings. Tremendous things would happen, and multitudes of people would get saved, almost looked like effortlessly. But what was happening here was really a reflection of what was happening here, or you could say this was out front, but there were things happening behind here. Charles Finney had two, it was you that was telling me this, and I, I confirmed it, two uh, people that were intercessors, that before he was going to go into a region, they would go there like a month before. This just tells you a lot of the things that go on in the spirit that, that we have impact over it. And they would go, I think it was like a month before, and they would pray and they would intercede and deal with the spiritual ground, if you will, well, when one or both of those intercessors died, Charles, Finney, Charles Finney's ministry almost stopped at that point. It's because what was being influenced here was causing effect and a change out here. You don't know spiritually what it is that you're impacting in the area that you are at where you're called. You don't know the spiritual influence. And I don't think we'll ever totally know on this side of heaven. I think when we get to heaven one day, the Lord's going to say, remember when I told you to pray? Remember when I told you to fast? Remember when I told you to intercede? Remember when I told you to love that person? Remember when I told you to give that gift and you didn't see anything come from it? I believe there's going to be a video reel where the Lord's going to say, hey, you probably forgot about this, but I didn't forget about it because I don't forget anything. I want you to see the effect of what happened. And because then that thing happened, then this happened, and this happened over here, and this happened over here. I believe that sometimes as simple as a gift and a chain, a chain of events could, could potentially play into someone being put in office that God wanted to be there. It could be someone being set into their destiny. It could be somebody being healed. It could be all kinds of things because we have made a choice to watch and pay attention and say, Lord, I'm going to come into agreement with what you are doing at the moment. What are you saying? I'm going to come into agreement and we can affect change in every area of society. Hallelujah. So the Lord says in Isaiah 62, 6, he says, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, they shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent. 
And so the Lord sets watchmen over the nation. And I think that we are a part of that in a small way, but then he does set, he does set watchmen, um, in particular, I believe, uh, prophets. And there are, we have one that comes in this house, Joseph Z. And I believe he is a prophet to the nation. If you listen, you can go back and check his track record. If anybody doesn't believe in prophets, you go back and check his track record. And he has been dead on for a long time. And the Lord's using him as a voice because the word says that he doesn't, the Lord, the Lord says in his word, he doesn't do anything unless he first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. And whenever you find a move of God, you find action from the Lord and in general things going on, he'll speak to prophets. You say, well, what if, what if, there's false prophets. Well, there are false prophets. Jesus said that they'll rise up. You know how to tell a false from the true? It's not the level of accuracy. It's their motivation. Anybody can miss it. Anybody can be like, you know, I missed it there. That's not what makes something false or true. What makes something false or true is why are they doing it? False brethren came into the church because they had a motivation to pull people out of the church. False apostles came into the church. You can read about this in the Word. False teachers came in, and they were trying to pull people away. Well, what's a false prophet then? Someone who just does something inaccurately? No, anybody can miss it. A false prophet is one who is prophesying and doing things to twist and do things for their own advantage. Side nugget, but that's what a false is. But God has set people as watchmen. I believe Dutch Sheets is a watchman over our nation. And I could go down a list of several other ones that are watchmen. But certainly in the scope and the area that we have, we are all a part of this on some level. We're all a part of this. Even if you haven't been established as a watchman over the church, you still could walk in. Imagine if there was something laying on the ground. The Holy Spirit could say, pick that up and put it in the trash. You would be being a watchman. Saying, but you know, what if you saw somebody that was really uh, running somebody else down? Be it inside the church or be it, you know, someone a more public Christian figure. You could have the responsibility to come over and say, you know what? Come on, let's pray for them right now. They obviously, need a, they obviously need a touch from the Lord or some direction. Let's pray for them. You would squelch it just like that. All that stuff would just be ended. You have a responsibility in this. The last thing I want to mention here uh, very quickly, and this is where I'm going to put this right on the end, the handle, and this is the whole reason I made this sword picture, <laughs> is that we have to have people that are watchmen over themselves. So in Individual watchmen. And so it's the idea of taking watch over your own life, over your own heart, over your own mind, over your own thinking, because if you can look in any area there, whether you're talking, talking about the church or the family or one of the other areas of society, the people that are leading there, the people that are watching over those areas are only as strong as they are individually with their own life with the Lord. So what goes on in our closed-door conversations with the Lord and how we live our life absolutely affects everything else that takes place. And we have to watch out over our own selves. Um, Habakkuk, this is a, a crazy awesome verse. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, I will stand watch. Everybody say watch. I will stand watch and set myself upon the rampart. Now, the rampart is like a tower or it's like a high place. So you set yourself at a high place, which spiritually, that's with the Lord because the Lord uh, is seated on high and he has great spiritual perception. So if you're seated with him, you can tap into that spiritual perception of the Lord and be able to see things. 
So I'll set myself up on the rampart uh, and watch and see what he will say to me. Now listen to this, and what I will answer when I am corrected. I had somebody um, years ago that came, that was, they came to me and they, they told me this verse and said, you know, I, I believe the Lord has showed me this and I believe it was, was right. And they said, I'm setting myself up on the rampart and I'm going to watch what the Lord would say to me. And it was in certain circumstances, situations many years ago. And I said, amen. But then the time came when I had, I actually, because they were, they were under me at the time and, and I had to bring correction to them because of something that was going wrong. And do you know that they rejected the correction and then left from underneath of my care? And I thought, I don't think that they really got the full meaning of the verse. Because it wasn't just saying, I'll watch to see what God would say and do everywhere else. I'll watch and see and say what God would do to me. See, we have to realize something that even though we're blood-bought, spirit-taught, children of God, loved by God, blah, 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 all that stuff we could put in there, the Lord still is working on us. Our spirit has been changed. Our body will be changed, but our soul, mind, will, emotions, and conscience is in the process of being changed. The Lord is still working on us. He who began the good work is faithful to complete it, but he's still completing that work in us. And so we have to allow the Lord to correct us. And so if we're not careful, we could fall into a prideful thing and not allow the Lord to deal with numero uno. And I don't know about you all, but I've come through some times when the Lord really needed to deal with me. Because if we don't allow the Lord to deal with us and to correct us and change us and change our view on things, by default, we will enter into rebellion, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And that's devilish. And then you open yourself up to the devil, and you're not being a very good watchman. You see the chain, chain of events that happen there. Amen. And so listen to this in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 8. It says, likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. I don't know if I'm young girl. I'm middle-aged. I submit to no one. Uh, yeah. Joke. Okay. Yes, all of you be submissive. Oh, there we go. All of us. Yes, all of you be submissive, submissive to one another and clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore humble, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Here it is. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Can you see the connection between humility and one who is not a devourable one? Amen. Last verse here, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. It says, to keep your heart. Some translations say to guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of your heart, spring the issues of life. So we're supposed to guard, keep, keep watch over our heart because out of it, spring or flow the issues of life. In other words, what goes in will come out. And so what we shouldn't do is get weird, but what we should do is get vigilant. Because some people, you know, they could become so guarded again that they get into suspicion, they get into, you know, trying to do it all themselves. And, you know, you go back and look what it says in Psalm that if, you know, if the watchmen uh, watch, but the Lord doesn't show up, the Lord doesn't guard, then they do it in vain. They stay up at night in vain. And so you could begin to set yourself this way, but you have to have the strength of the Lord. You have to have the perception of the Lord to be able to help you see and do the thing that he's called you to do. But we're responsible to guard our hearts. And 
if you were to be grammatically correct, you could say, you keep your heart with all diligence. You do it. So it's really, it's a command. It's not in a very commanding way, but it's a command. You keep your heart with all diligence because nobody else is going to do it for you. I would say 95% of the problems in counseling that I've dealt with over the years, and I'm, Liz counsels me. She has to bring me back to this verse, amen? Almost every problem that we face and that we deal with, if the people or the person would come back and begin to guard their heart, they wouldn't have most of the problems. Sometimes we have things that we need counsel for, man, no condemnation for any of it. Some things we can't help, but a lot of it we can help. If we would just guard our heart, it would keep us, it would keep our feet from falling. It would keep us from, from entering into things and experiencing things and dealing, dealing with things unnecessarily if we would just keep ourselves. But we have to become the watchman over our own heart. And, and I, I tell you what, I believe the key to being watchman over everything else is that we're watchmen over ourselves first. We first make it a point that, you know what, devil? You're not going to rent space in my mind. You're not going to, you have no place in my life. You want to know where the warfare takes place? It's not out there in the heavenlies where airplanes fly. There literally have been people that have rented airplanes to get up into the heavenlies and do battle in the heavenlies. And we wonder why the world thinks that we're nuts. You can be a nut, you just got to make sure you're screwed onto the right bolt. Amen. It's okay if they think that we're nuts. Just don't be nuts. The heavenlies are talking about what's taking place in the, in the spiritual realm and the enemy coming against your mind and all that stuff. That's where the warfare takes place. Win there. Win over your own heart and your own mind. You'll, you'll win in life. I'm not saying you won't have things come against you. I won't say, I'm not saying you don't have to, you won't have to get counsel or get more wisdom or whatever. You will. But if you take care of here, most of the rest of it works out on its own. It really does. That's why the enemy fights so hard in our minds and in our hearts. He fights there because it's the only place. If he can gain just an inch, just an inch, then maybe he can gain a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Why? Because he doesn't have even the availability to access anywhere else. It's here. To guard your heart. Be a watchman over your own heart, over your own home, and the things that God's called you to. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.